Good evening. Welcome to Nutmeg Junction Special Report. I'm Daniel Willey. And I'm Deborah Goodman. Tonight we take an in-depth look at the election. It's been a brutal and taxing campaign season where name-calling and dog-whistling are mixed in with complaints of the opposing side's incivility. And it's often said all within the same speech, sometimes in the same sentence. Is this a true reflection of our society? Americans are wondering if each day's new low is when we as a society have hit rock bottom. Americans may be asking themselves, have we sunk to the lowest we can go? The answer may surprise you. For more, we turn to our chief analyst, Robert Sinek. Thanks, Deborah. I like to say there's blame on both sides, mainly because it gives me the appearance of fairness and people will listen to me. Even though in reality the phrase creates the appearance of equivalency, yet it's a false equivalency... That makes it difficult for me to sleep at night. I'm sorry, Robert. We have to interrupt for some breaking news. It's just coming in, and information is sketchy at the moment, that we have a report that an event occurred at the corner of Elm Street and Main, and we wonder, was this a random act, or was it something else? This action has not been confirmed as random, Daniel. The motives have not been confirmed. What we do know so far is that an alleged random act of kindness occurred at Elm Street and Main only 24 hours ago. It has been reported that a pedestrian has been smiling and waving at commuters in their cars, going to work, and wishing them a good day. That is causing some commuters to have smiles on their faces in return. Is smiling contagious? We have Michael Raffone live at the scene. Mike? Thanks, Deborah. I'm here at the corner of Elm Street and Main. It's usually a busy intersection, especially between the hours of 7 and 8 a.m., It's not a particularly idyllic or picturesque section of town, but something has occurred that has altered this hard scrabble community and left an indelible mark. I'm here with an eyewitness now. Can you tell me what you saw? I was standing over there, right? And I saw her. She was smiling. Smiling? With eye contact? Not wincing in pain? No, no. Smiling, right? And she was waving, too. Smiling and waving? You heard that first here. Go on, please. So she smiles and waves at the cars, or really, the people in the cars, as they went by, and it made a lot of people's day, I can tell you that. You've seen nothing like this before? Oh, no, she's there almost every day. Kind of nice, really. An act of kindness occurs every day. So it's hard to call that kind of regularity random, Daniel. I think we just broke some news here. Breaking news. The act of kindness appears not, I repeat, not to be random. It is clearly a premeditated act of some kind. For analysis, we turn back to our analyst, Robert. Robert, what's your take on what we've just discovered? Thanks, Daniel. Now, the true definition of random, according to Merriam-Webster, is something we don't have the rights to share. However, the upshot is that it's unpredictable. If you've ever heard the phrase, there's a method to his madness... It's the opposite of that, because there shouldn't be a method at all. A little bit of the bard. That's right. Shakespeare is in the public domain. We appreciate your caution. Any other analysis? Now, by the frequency of the act itself and the consistency of the location, we can hypothesize that there is a certain structure, however fluid it might be. So, an act of kindness? Yes. A random one? That would be a stretch. I'm sorry, Robert, we have to interrupt you again. We have a report of another breaking incident. Just moments ago, this was caught on camera. Mike, can you describe the footage we're seeing here? Yes, Deborah. As you can see here, a woman is coming out of a grocery store with a cart. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but that's not just any cart. 
These kinds of carts use quarters as some kind of security measure. That's right. Quarters are used to unlock grocery carts, and when the carts are returned, the quarters are released. But what happens here is that a gentleman is coming up to the carts, and he's not taking a cart yet. We see. He's fumbling through his wallet. He has dollar bills, no change. He's asking the woman returning the cart if she has change, and she just gives him the cart with her quarter inside. They exchange pleasantries. She insists it's okay that he takes the cart, and he's grateful. He's grateful, folks. Gratitude can be one of the effects of kindness, but what is the cost? For that, we turn to our economics correspondent, Penelope Rolls. Penny? Thanks, Daniel. What we see here is a quarter being borrowed for the purpose of the use of a service. It's not an exact exchange for change, so to speak. Another way of putting it is that it wasn't a request for a quarter itself, but rather it was the use of the grocery cart that was at issue. The gentleman could have gone inside the store, waited in line at a customer service desk to get change, then go back outside, get the cart, then go back inside and shop. But when one takes into account... The time over money principle, the exchange, was far greater than a quarter. Its worth far exceeded the 25-cent value. Great point. Now it's time for the panel. Let's bring in Professor Caldwell from the university, Janet Aberdeen, former advisor from a state commission, and Philip R. Material from a think tank. Thank you for participating. First question to you, Professor. What do you think is going on with these reports of kindness? Thank you for having me, Daniel. I was prepared to have some cutting remarks about the state of affairs in politics, but as the conversation shifted to acts of kindness, I can only say it's not shocking, not surprising, but it's certainly noteworthy. And if I could just add to that, Daniel. Janet Aberdeen. I had a couple of great zingers of my own I had prepared that I was ready to use regardless of what anyone else on the panel said. Some talking points, Janet. Exactly, and it included one pretty good ad hominem attack line just in case things got sticky. But I'm not using it now. Instead, I'll just agree with Professor Caldwell that it is noteworthy, and yet these acts are not isolated. Do you think they're coordinated? If they are being coordinated, by whom? Phil? I'd like to put it this way, Daniel. If there's a population of, say, 36,000 people, give or take, and of that population, 35,999 have gone on with their day and done nothing aberrant, and of that population, let's say 10,000 actually did something positive or nice, and and then one person, or one out of 36,000, did something adverse to the community, the question is, what is actually the best representation of the community? Is it the act of the one person, the acts of the 10,000, or the acts of the 35,999? It seems to me you're placing some blame on the media and not actually answering my question. Thank you, Daniel. But you do bring up some interesting figures, so for that we turn to our numbers analyst again. Penny? Thanks, Daniel. Let's break down the numbers. Taking the supposition that 10,000 of 36,000 people are creating actions of positive change, however small, and then one person is not, that's a ratio of 1 out of 10,000. And in a 24-hour news cycle, that's approximately 0.0024% of the time, which comes in at just under three and a half minutes. That time should be dedicated to that story, and the rest would be dedicated to the positive stories. 
So you're saying news channels could view their airtime in a different way? I would just like to add that I have a few ad hominem attack lines on that subject too, Daniel. And I have the appropriate ad hominem responses to reply. Then let's just take that as moot and we can turn it over to our chief analyst, Robert Sinek. Your thoughts on the 0.0024% ratio? The problem with that analysis is that it's not taking into account the relative value of the actions. We have to weigh the relative actions against the others. Because there are some impactful negative incidents that can and should have a significant amount of time for reporting, even if it only represents 0.0024% of the actions in society. I'm going to interrupt you again because it's time for a different segment, but when we come back, we'll see how much has changed with our new emphasis. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. to the state capitol building. Right, Christine. It's quite an impressive structure. There's room for the entire legislative and executive branches of local government. I like the way you described it, Val, because you described every state capitol in the United States. We're having a very universally appealing adventure. Oh, Bo. I tell you guys, I'm down with this visit to the capitol as long as there's a cafeteria. Right, Pachydermy-poo? <laughs> Give me food! Only my brother Simon and Pachydermy Pooh could visit the state capitol building and have their stomachs be their number one priority. We haven't eaten since breakfast. That was only a half an hour ago, you two. Hey, check out these wonderful statues and other works of art. You could take tours of this place and really get to know some history. It's kind of like a museum with the granite flooring and open spaces. Last museum that we visited, we had to solve the mystery of the Warehamster. I'm glad we can just visit the Capitol building and learn something and enjoy. Right, Bo. Say, what's over there by that door, near the legislative offices? Hmm. A shrouded figure. Perhaps he or she is a historical reenactor. You can tell they're wearing a tricorn hat and period-style waistcoat. Wait, the figure is turning around. Wowzers! The figure is glowing! It's, it's, it, it's a ghost! The ghost is carrying some kind of bag! And it's not going out the security door exit, but up the stairs instead! We should go after it! We're right behind you! Like, far behind you! In fact, so far behind that you might not see us by the time you catch up to it! We've lost sight of the ghost! It vanished! And so is my appetite for exploring the Capitol building! See you in the adventure apparatus. The what? The van, Bo. We've been calling it that for years now. Say, what's this on the floor? It must have fallen out of the bag the ghost was carrying. It's... it's a ballot. 
Like a voting ballot? No, the other kind. We need to turn this in. Then let's go find someone, and then scram. There are a lot of visitors, but I'm not seeing anyone in charge of this lobby. Howdy, folks! Why, it's Mr. Redmond Herring. You can call me Red. Red, what are you doing here in the Capitol Building lobby? Why, I'm lobbying, of course. Everyone here is a lobbyist. Even that group of school children? They're lobbying to make the official state cloud cumulus. But they should really be thinking on a high level. Like how? Like Cirrostratus. Anyway, lots of lobbyists here. Look, here's Miss Gleamer. She's in charge of Gleamer's Glitter Company. She always threatens to move her company south unless she gets tax breaks. Does she get them? She's still here, ain't she? Thank you for your time, Senator Stimpleton. I'll send the check by mail. Male or female, it don't matter. I'll, I'll cash it either way. The, 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 the senator uh, pre- appreciates your time and, and values your contribution uh, to, to democracy and to our campaign. Make sure he remembers and values the contribution at the appropriate time, Mr. Wormley. I get. What I want. Uh, well, if you get it, get rid of it. Try to try tea with lemon or a hot bath. Uh, of course, Miss Gleamer. Uh, once again, thank you for your time. Speaking of baths, Wormly, you, you might need to take one yourself. You're starting to smell like an elephant or something. <laughs> Give me food. Senator Simpleton, it's me. Redmond Heron from the Tourist Bureau, and I got some young friends with me. Friends, this is Senator Simpleton and his aide, Chad Wormley. How's it hanging, Chad? Young people. The the, the senator values the young voters in his district and assures you that he understands the needs and and interests of this very special constituency. Parcheesy. Gesundheit. I'm sorry, what? Young people are always playing parcheesy. Always bringing around their parcheesy boards and, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Should we ask about his views on net neutrality? Dice. That's it. Parcheesy boards and dice. Oh, young people. The senator understands the value of the internet and promises to use it one day, but you can be assured as a voter that your voice is heard. Senator, speaking of votes, we'd like to turn a vote into you now. This is an absentee ballot. Where did you get it? It's not ours, dude. We just found it while chasing some sort of ghost. The Capitol Ghost? No, no. The Capitol Ghost? I've heard tales of the legend of the mysterious figure that steals votes. That's just a superstition. Rest assured that the the senator appreciates the belief system of all his constituents, even the stupid ones. Not the ghost, no! 
Sir, sir, I, I'm sorry, but we have to go. Uh, we'll, we'll turn the absentee ballot in for you, and if you want, you, you can make an appointment to, to talk to the senator later. Good, good, goodbye now. So, uh, you kids saw the Capitol ghost. What did it look like? Can you be specific? Old, white, pale. Can you be even more specific? You in a state capitol building. The ghost was glowing, and it wore a tricorn hat. I tried corn once. Didn't like it. Well, kids, if you need my help, you know I'll be about. Well, gang, do you know what it's time for? Time for a visit to the gift shop? I could really use another state collector spoon. Mmm! Spoon! Give me food! <laughs> no, guys. It's time for something else, obviously. What is it? Time for a trap. One where we trap the ghost? That's right, Bo. Good. It's better than the other way around. So, let's build the ghost trap. I'll go back to the adventure apparatus and bring back some wires, uh, an electrical receiver, and a human-sized cage with metal bars. I'm sorry, you can't do that. Says who? Says security. We have security in this building. I'm head of security here. I was going to talk to you about your animal, but now that I've overheard you, that's probably the best if you vacate the building now. Wait a minute. There's security in this Capitol building? The whole building? All of it. But we're mystery solvers. This... this is Pachydermy Poo! Listen, hey, if it was up to me, I'd love to outsource my paid job to some amateur volunteers with a big-eared pet. Hear that, pachydermy old buddy? We're wanted! But unfortunately, that's just not the world we live in. Not today. Someday. Maybe. Someday. If there's security cameras, that'll be perfect. I can hack in and see if we can catch the ghost red-handed. Great idea, Val. Sorry. Sorry, I hate to be a buzzkill, but you're not going to be able to hack into the state's computer system either. I know you want to do good. I mean, I know that, but I'll send an email to the office and have them check out the footage for me. Okay, last trap idea. Simon, we'll dress you up as a bag of lost votes and leave you unattended in the hallway as bait. Then, we wait by the stairwell until... See? Sorry, sorry, I'm gonna stop you right there. I hate to be the one to do it. I don't want to be the bad guy here, but uh, we're not going to allow you to leave unattended packages. Not gonna happen. I'm not sure this guy wants us to solve the mystery of the Capitol ghost. Hmm. I have to check out the cameras. Excuse me. We'll excuse you, but still follow you. What's this on the lens? It's a shiny substance that's blocking the lens. We'll have to get it analyzed. No need, sir. We know what it is. It's glitter. That can only mean one thing. It's artsy craft time! No, it means we know who the Capitol Ghost is. Look over there. After we left the lobby, the Capitol Ghost came back for another bag of ballots. Okay, kids, we'll take care of this. We're the professionals. Where'd they go? Stop right there, Capitol Ghost! <laughs> She's getting away! There's only one way to stop her. Pachydermy Poo, that ghost running over there, has all the peanuts. Mm -hmm. Give me food!
Not sounding like a ghost now, are you? And not looking like a ghost anymore once we remove the wig, tricorn hat, and mask. Miss Gleamer! Yep, Miss Gleamer, the head of the Gleamer Glitter Company. But I had my money on Senator Stimpleton. Who else would have wanted to steal votes? I don't steal votes in a bag, son. I feel so much better. I do it the old-fashioned way. Gerrymandering, poll taxes, purging the voter rolls. Oh, what's wrong with purging? I hear the young people like the purge. Senator, that's a movie. I think what the senator is trying to say is that he's in touch with the millennials in his district and their entertainment interest. Where that lobbyist is going, she won't find that so entertaining. But remember, Miss Gleamer, all that glitters is not gold. Curses! Hmm, give me food! Oh, oh pack me Nutmeg Junction Special Report. I'm Deborah Goodman. And I'm not. We've received some extraordinary news about acts of kindness occurring throughout the community, and we've got a report of one more. We turn to our reporter, microphone on the street. Michael? Thanks, Daniel. I'm here at the Capitol Building with an extraordinary group of young mystery solvers. Young? How young? Not very, Dan. Just trying to be kind. These mystery solvers have solved the case of the State House Ghost. Christine, Christine, Michael Raffone, Nutmeg Junction News. A quick word? Yes, Michael. Christine, can you tell our listeners how you solved the case? Well, we worked hard to put the pieces of the puzzle together until the case is solved. We sift through the clues, and eventually we get to the point where Packy Dermy Pooh can sit on the bad guys until the police arrive. Oh, someone get this elephant off me! <laughs> Give me food! Thank you, Christine. Any thoughts? Just happy to be here. Happy to be a part of the team. The other guys, well, they did their best. They played hard, but we came out on top. I'm sorry, Bo. It seems... Are you reading off of index cards? Ah, thank you for noticing. I say that whenever someone puts a microphone in front of me, and it works almost every time, except on karaoke night. Val, as the brains of the outfit, have you ever considered striking out on your own? Great question, Mike. 
You have to remember, we don't get paid to solve crimes. So I'd rather not get paid as part of a group instead of just by myself. Otherwise, it would start to feel personal. Interesting point. And Simon? Yes, Mike? Thanks for being here. There you have it, folks. The Pachydermy Poo team that created their own good works by solving the mystery of the State House ghost. Back to you in the studio. Thanks, Mike. Let's turn to our analyst, Robert Sinek. Robert, should mystery solvers be paid? What are your thoughts? I think there's already a large burden on the taxpayers in this community. And let's face it, any mystery-solving team that has a large mammal weighing a ton or more is probably going to do well with or without payment. Excellent point, Robert. But we're going to interrupt you one last time because we're going to turn to our economics analyst, Penelope. Penny, is there a cost to creating acts of kindness? And is the cost economically viable? They say that being nice is free. That's not always the case, depending on the level of niceness and if there's any event that results in a monetary exchange of some kind. But, as a general rule, if there is a cost, for society's sake, it is worth it. Panel, Professor, your thoughts? This is just an extension of the spirit of kindness that is self-evident in this nation of ours. Good news is still news. I'm going to agree with the professor here. Too often news is defined as something negative that happens. But if the definition of news is something noteworthy or otherwise unknown information, then the negative should take its place within the context of the good. Phil, any counterpoint of view? Not really, no. Uh, Just that I'm inspired to ask, in the words of my favorite mystery solver, Give me food. (laughs) (laughs) No! Seriously, this broadcast is catered, right? Thanks for listening to this special Nutmeg Junction report. I'm Daniel Willey. And I'm Deborah Goodman. Good Good night. night. Nutmeg Junction, Episode 29, The Good News Special Report, was written and directed by J. Timothy Quirk and recorded at WAPJ Torrington Community Radio. The program starred Dan Willey as news anchor and security guard, Deborah Goodman as the news anchor, with Nick Bourne as Mike Raffone and Chad Wormley, Robert Fullerton as Robert Sinek and Senator Stempleton, Sharon Wagner as The Witness, Jandy Hanna as Penelope Rolls and Ms. Gleamer, Olivia Wadsworth as Professor Caldwell, Darcy Abbott as Janet Aberdeen, Jeff Savage as Philip R. Material, and Redmond Herring. The Pachydermy Poo Mystery Squad was performed by Olivia Wadsworth as Christine, Lana Peck as Val, Rich Sear as Bo, Kurt Boucher as Simon, and Pachydermy Poo as himself. 
Nutmeg Junction theme and the Pachydermy Poo theme was written and performed by Robert C. Fullerton, copyright 2018, and used with permission. We hope you enjoyed the ride on Nutmeg Junction, and may all your journeys bring you back to a happy home. Sounds like a dangerous caper, Madeline. That's right, Rusty. But whatever Madeline Forthright can't handle, the Grey Whisper will. Especially if it's a caper we find right here on the Nutmeg Junction radio program. That's right, Rusty. Listen to Nutmeg Junction Audio Theater on Sundays here. Nutmeg Junction is your audio theater program. Enjoy stories like Space Sentries, The Professor, The Grey Whisper, and many more. 